0: Hello, I'm Sam Clements, and welcome to the Ninety Minutes or Less Film Fest. This is a podcast that celebrates films with a Ninety Minute or less runtime, and is entirely curated by guests on this podcast. Today, we are joined by Toby King, sales and marketing exec from distributor Picturehouse Entertainment. Hello, Toby. Hi, Sam. Now, Toby, you've worked on some amazing films, many of which I really enjoyed watching, God's Own Country, The Wife, etc., None of them are under 90 minutes. One of them
1: was... What's going on?
0: The Party. Ah, yes. came in under
1: 90 minutes uh, because the frame rate changes from 24 to 25 frames a second or something like that.
0: Now, I also know you are a big cinema fan and Mm -hmm. used to work in a cinema, lovely Duke of York's in Brighton. A bit like me, you've worked in a cinema for, you know, 10 or so years. Does sort of having access to so many films kind of spoil you when it comes to choosing a movie for your own enjoyment?
1: No, but I do... It's it, it's interesting when you when you talk about like choice and then you apply sort of length of film to that like yeah. like the running time because now if I, like if I'm kind of not sure about a movie and I see that it's over two hours long I like I really think long and hard if I do want to commit to go and watch it because you know we're all quite busy there's lots of other films to watch but no I don't think I'm a support because because I, I do kind of think when you watch more movies you want to watch more movies I, I think that's why I'm still in this business to honest it's the movies are good and they keep coming you know and i guess i guess
0: you've never really had to think about when you you have access to lots of movies you don't have to think about running time particularly because you want to just see everything yeah but do you do you mind how long the film is you're about to watch or are you are i mean things.
1: i do but having you know and i do like a short movie but then i think we both watched schindler's list recently on, on its re-release and that's three hours and 15 minutes long i i had no qualms sitting there i mean it's a tough watch but it's such a great film you know you know, I love Lawrence of of Arabia. Long classic epic films. I'm totally fine with. I think length isn't a isn't a structure that you have to adhere to. But I think there is a trend with a lot of movies recently where they just drag and like you know it's you know the length you need to tell the story is the length you need. So it's all about good storytelling. And, you know, you can do that on a in a shorter runtime or a long runtime. Whichever one works, works.
0: And when we asked you to come on the podcast and to choose a movie, mm. did the under 90-minute mark sort of, was that a, a hindrance or a joy to work with?
1: It was kind of good. I kind of had the film in mind straight away. And then I did do a little Google just just to kind of check if mm. there was something else I wanted to talk about. And some great films came up. But no, my my initial gut choice was still my top choice. I think I did have that thing where you mentioned there's a lot of films that are 95 minutes long where it's like, ah, that would have been great, but doesn't qualify, so...
0: And Toby, what film did you choose for the 90 minutes or less film fest?
1: The 2013 classic Tom Hardy vehicle, Lock. So looking at
0: the back of the DVD, Tom Hardy, Ruth Wilson and Olivia Coleman star in this thriller from writer and director Stephen Knight. Ivan Locke, Hardy, is the head of a successful construction company and is happily married to Katrina, Wilson, with whom he has two sons, Eddie, Tom Holland and Sean, Bill Milner. However, he must risk it all to do the right thing when he faces the consequences of a past mistake. That's quite an exciting synopsis it is, on yeah. the back of the DVD there. I should point out now that this is going to be a spoiler-filled chat, so if you've not seen Locke, go to your nearest... Well, DVD rental stores don't exist, but it is available on things like Amazon Prime. Get online, watch the movie, and we'll see you in 85 minutes. So first up, superb runtime, 85 yep. minutes. Beautiful. Great choice.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, one, one thing in, in the film, he actually references the runtime. One of the first bits of dialogue is that he says, I'm an hour and a half away because he's ah. driving from one location which i believe is Birmingham to London and he's on the phone to the person in London and he says i'm an hour and a half away if the traffic's good so ah, okay. we're so we're already kind of we're in a real time kind of situation he's on his way and the film ends with him just on the cusp of getting there mm. so yeah it's 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 an, it's a real time movie which is always fun i do like when films sort of play with those elements you know like, i i think we you know we talked about it um off podcast around a film like a quiet place where, mm. you know, you, there are rules in this film, so you can't have any sound. And, you know, I kind of like things like that where you've got a film that's, you know, committed to being in real time or you can't have anyone talking or making mm. noise and, and how you weave that into the fabric of the story. It's brilliant. And, and this film does it in such a clever way.
0: What, what the synopsis doesn't really talk about is the fact that Tom Hardy is playing Ivan Ivanlock. A bit of a misleading synopsis. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it is a little bit.
1: <laughs> it's the plot. You know, that is true. There's nothing in that synopsis that isn't true. But it doesn't talk about the structure of the film, which is the whole film is Tom Hardy in a car. That is the film. All these other characters are never seen on screen. They're off screen and he's speaking to them on on the phone as he's driving from Birmingham to London in the dead of night. It's interesting that they didn't put that on the DVD. I think someone reading the back of the DVD who'd never seen that film would be like, oh, I'm into some sort of exciting drama about a family and a mystery And a cover-up, and that's all there. But but it's not a conventional movie by a long stretch.
0: And that's something that I really resonated with me. I I enjoyed seeing the story unfold in a quite an ambitious way. I think the restrictions and which make it a little bit more small scale on screen. He's only ever in the car. He's Mm. talking to people on the phone. It makes it actually quite exciting. You're like, can he pull it off? Can the filmmaker Stephen Knight pull this thing Mm. off? Can Tom Hardy? entertain us for mm. 90 minutes or less yes he can absolutely is the answer. yeah so yeah so he, it's him in his car he's talking on speakerphone to all of these people because he's in the middle of the europe's largest concrete pour oh. and he's got some family drama going on at home his sons want him to watch the football and they're all phoning him in the dead of all night right. about well, this. is things. it.
1: So, so, so yeah the so the character ivan Locke. he's a foreman on a big building site and they're going to be building a tall building. I think it's 55 stories high. They're going to do a concrete pour for the foundation of the building that morning. It's the biggest concrete pour in Europe outside of nuclear or the military. They go into real detail on this and it's a big deal. And he's not going to be there because he has to drive to London because he's made a commitment to someone. And we learned that nine months ago, he had an affair with a woman and she is now giving birth to his illegitimate child. So over the course of the night, he calls up his his wife and fesses up to her. At the same time, he's on the phone to his colleague, a chap called Donald, played by Andrew Scott, who's a bit of a... You don't call him useless because he comes through, but he's a bit of a liability. He's he's trying to talk him through prepping the building site for this concrete pour. And at the same time, his boss is calling him, being like, where the hell are you? You've got to be here for this. He's driving to, to go into this awkward personal situation and at the meantime trying to tell his colleague what to do and have his boss be breathing down his neck
0: there's a lot going on there's a lot going on I mean he's he's very He's an ambitious guy. He thinks Mm. that he... Because he's he's got this reputation, uh, we find out over the course of the film, that he's the best in the biz. Yeah. Everybody wants him to pour concrete. He's so good Mm. at organising pouring concrete. And it's a huge spanner in the works that he's not there. But he's he's so confident that he's good at his job. He can do this over the phone. He can use Donald as a puppet. He he can deal with his boss. He's going to get to the birth of his son. He's going to tell his wife the truth but thinks he can work it out with her he's yeah. arranging going to the pub with her when he's yeah, back yeah, yeah. we'll talk it through he's telling his boys he's not gonna be there for the game but keep telling him the score mm. so he has to like keep up appearances for i think there's like five different narratives unfolding mm. and the one that's going on in his head as well he he imagines his his dad who you find out wasn't there for him he imagines him in the back of the car and he sort of talks at the mirror yeah uh, like to the mirror it's you know,
1: <laughs> kind of talking to his dad saying i'm you know i'm I'm. I'm not going to be like you. Mm. I'm. I'm going to be there for my kids, and I'm going to complete my work, and I'm going to do everything. And that's kind of an interesting delve into his psyche. Which, from reading some reviews, that's the bit that turned some viewers off the film because it kind of you, you go from this very kind of realistic kind of portrayal to then all of a sudden him really going into his mind and talking to himself and his dead father. I would agree it's a bit heavy handed maybe, Mm. but it works because the writing is fantastic and Tom Hardy's performance is fantastic. So, you know, he kind of channels this anger that he has towards his father and that kind of really helps explain why he's doing these things. Um, and why and why he's going about them in such a way. He's a very pragmatic person. Mm. He's 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 trying to find a solution, a fixable solution. You know, he works in construction. He thinks things can be built properly and they'll last and they'll they'll work. But as as much as he is a pragmatic guy, he's he's emotionally void. You know, he doesn't understand that. I mean, he understands that his wife is upset when mm. he's told him where he's going, but his, him being like like I think she says I want to take a logical next step to fix this it's like i understand tom but think about your wife for a minute you've just told her you're driving halfway across the country to be with another woman who's giving birth to a child that's not yours it's it's like pragmatism doesn't really come into it yet (laughs) you know so it's it's and it's interesting that that you've got that kind of character and and i think having him talk to his dad helps frame that in a way where it's like you know it fleshes him out in a way that, that, that i think is really quite clever
0: what i got from watching anyway it's important to have the sort of backstory of the character Mm. so stephen knight can tell us how good the character is what he's doing and also why he's like this Mm. and i guess that device sort of works in this limited space i think it's hugely ambitious and i think it pretty much pulls it all off pulls it off from stephen knight's sort of writing and directing and all of the production stuff Mm. also like yeah tom hardy can you can you do like a one-man play, basically, well, yeah, in, it, this, it, in this film?
1: That's kind of interesting because he did a similar thing in Bronson, which mm. obviously has other characters in it, but he's very much the, the crux of, of the film. But even in Bronson, he plays different characters. This, he is still playing one character. And, and I think that is testament to him as an actor mm. because, you know, he hasn't got any makeup on. There's nothing really flamboyant about his turn except the fact that he has a Welsh accent, mm. which we should address.
0: Yeah, it's a, so Tom Hardy, I love Tom mm. Hardy, one of yeah. the nation's greatest actors. He's been in so many brilliant films. He is not the best at accents, I would say. I think he often slips mm. in and out, yes. and when you see him talk in real life, I think his voice morphs as he travels around doing different Definitely. jobs. I don't think that ever really matters, though.
1: No, I don't think so, and and, and I think his Welsh accent, it's never explained why the character is Welsh, because no. um, he's travelling from, I think, Birmingham to London. His wife's English, at least got an English accent, everyone else, um, Donald's Scottish, but it's, you know, there's no reason for him to be Welsh, other than I think maybe Tom Hardy doesn't like to do the same accent twice, and he hadn't done Welsh yet.
0: Maybe. I, mean, I think Tom Hardy I mean, is the character a character is of a... called
1: Ivan, which is a Welsh <laughs> name, but...
0: I read I'm sure I read somewhere that he just turned up on the set and did that accent. There wasn't a brilliant like any sort of preparation around, you know, oh yes, are you playing Ivan Locke. Oh, by the way, he's a Welsh guy. Uh, I think Tom Hardy just sort of turned up and, and did that. But then I also think he's the sort of actor that does that. Mm. I think he yeah. just emerges on set and he's done all of his own prep and he's kind of ready to go, but it's his own version of yeah. of the character. I sort of think that adds a bit of mystique to Tom Hardy as, as an actor laughing at my predicament it's a familiar predicament to a man like you is not it dad hmm? you think there he is looked like father like son
1: there's the man i made mean. what is it they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree well that's where you're wrong
0: I'd love to know what like what if Stephen Knight ever had anyone else in mind for it if he was like, No, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's the guy.
1: I think him and Stephen Knight I mean they've they have a, a working relationship since that film. I'm not sure 'cause like he's did they've done the T V shows Peaky Blinders and Taboo. I think both were after Locke though. So I think Locke yeah, was their this first, the first maybe the collab.
0: First yeah. Maybe they're their proper best buds. Yeah. Uh, I hope and, so. And it off. I mean,
1: you know, it's it this is definitely an example of a film where the limitations aren't limiting. You know, the film has scope, it has vision, it has story, and it's a good example of a simpatico relationship between a writer-director and an actor, Mm. where it's like, it feels like everyone was on the same page. And that page was, you know, it's, it's quite a basic construct but it's so well done you know you've kind of got three camera positions quite a kind of simplistic story but it's also quite a relatable story you know he's a relatable guy he is very much just a guy Hmm. you know he's a very good foreman and a concrete guy but he's still just a guy his family's family dynamic is very regular the situation he's in i mean i don't know how common it really is but it feels like a believable thing that could have happened when he explains how the how the affair happened it feels like yep he kind of messed up you know he so it's it's a very relatable story, and I think that adds to the cinematic value of it because it's like there's genuine tension here. You know, when they're talking about the concrete pour, I'm sorry, concrete to me is really boring. After watching this film, I'm fascinated. I want to know what makes C6 concrete so much better than C5. Mm-hmm. One of the funniest bits in the film is when, and, and that's the only thing, this film is funny, like genuinely funny. The scene where he's talking to Donald about the concrete coming in and, you know, he's like, what does it say on the whiteboard, Donald? C6. When Donald's trying to, like, pass off, can we have some, how far towards C5 can the concrete go? And he just stops, deadpan. What does it say on the whiteboard? What does it say on all the stuff in the office? And it's just like, the, the humour in that is hilarious because Tom Hardy just delivers these lines in such a deadpan, comedic way. And it's about concrete, but you genuinely care. You know, you're genuinely invested in this concrete pour and just even as a personal thing we both work in an office which has been overlooking a building site for the best part of two years I watched people pouring concrete all of last summer you know what was in the back of my mind is it C6 hello can I speak to Gareth please he's not back yet um, can I ask his calling
0: Ivan Locke can I say what it's regarding uh, yes concrete can you, um, can you tell him that it's urgent can you tell him to call me back yeah does he have your number uh yes yes he does there's a really excellent line in the film i mean it's thought of excellent lines as you say it's quite humorous as well as being quite tense at times mm. andrew scott's uh, character gets drunk drinks a can of cider oh uh, yeah TV. he's trying to work out whether he's uh he's he's drunk but he says donald don't trust god when it comes to concrete <sighs> that's that should just be on every yep. building site yeah, high-vis yeah. jacket hard hat yeah, yeah. across don't the trust land god when it comes
1: to concrete <laughs> he hasn't even more like Impassioned speech when he's trying to rev Donald up to go and like he has to run to another building site to get to, to get a Polish road gang because all his other people have gone home and he does this really over the top kind of pep talk and I think he says something like because concrete is as delicate as blood.
0: Tom Hardy's performance sort of goes in in ebbs and flows depending on what narrative he's dipping into. Mm, so, yeah. like the, the chat with his sons about whether or not he wants sausages, and mum's yeah. got the German beer he mm. likes. And yeah, yeah. Uh, he, yeah sons Just played by Tom stuff. Holland and, and Bill yeah. Milner, like two excellent actors. The whole film is full of excellent actors, and you only ever see one of them on screen. It must be yeah. such an unusual gig for them to take. Like, well,
1: that's it. Yeah, I mean, you now got BAFTA-winning Olivia Colman. Yes, as Bethan, the woman who's giving birth to his son, Ruth Wilson, who's Ruth been, in, his wife. been in loads of stuff. Uh, yeah, um,
0: she's, she's huge. Andrew Scott was in yeah. Sherlock. It was like peak.
1: Sherlock during this time yep and now Tom Holland is Spider-Man
0: and, and Tom Holland is Hardy Venom. Venom I think it must be quite an appealing project to actors sort of say so, mm. yeah, okay you're, you're going to be my film you're not going to be on screen uh, we might use you on the back of the DVD to yeah, yeah. A of yeah, it. Yeah, and you're right. I think they were all in like a travel lodge like meeting room or something mm. and they had the thing on speakerphone so yeah. for the actors they're sort of playing in front of each other mm. with some assistant director and and and, uh, and he's on the phone with Tom acting in sort of real time, I I think that's such an unusual setup. And again, it goes back to Stephen Knight: like, can we pull this off? Yeah. Can we entertain people? Can we make those performances on the phone interesting? Yeah, it helps if you cast world class actors. Well, exactly, because uh, everyone
1: on the phone is very believable as well. Yeah, like, like you're kind of really, you know, I like you can sort of visualize the home environment that his wife and kids are at. You can visualize the hospital bed. You can see the kind of builder's yard kind of hut where Donald pr- probably is. And there's another guy who has to call like a a city official about a stop and go sign and he's uh, in yeah. he's in a chinese restaurant or an indian restaurant yep. and you can kind of believe it. It's, it it's like you've got this bureaucrat who can authorize a stop and go and he's like i'm in an indian restaurant i can't do this and it's like and, and you can totally kind of imagine that scene so when i was watching a film with producer
0: louise we sort of were talking during the film just like is he a good guy mm. like he's trying to do the good thing and like he's trying to do he's trying to fix all of the problems he did cause the problems <laughs> um but is 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 Locke a good guy what what's your
1: takeaway i think he's a guy yeah and i think he's desperately trying to do the right thing and and he keeps telling himself that whether he is or not no he's he's desperately trying to do the right thing and he's failing at every single one of them it's a bit unfortunate this is all happening on one night yeah but the fact is you know if you know I don't want to morally judge anyone, but I'm going to. It's a movie character. This movie is a moral maze. Yeah. So, you know, indulge me for a moment. He probably should have told his wife that this other woman was going to have his child. He is doing the honourable thing by going to see the woman and be there for the kid. And he wants the kids to have his name and that's important to him. And, you know, that's that's a good thing. And I think he is just kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's fessing up to what he's done. And, you know, he... He, he does say, I, I think I can say this once, I'm going to fix my f- up. So he's, he's, he knows he's, he's made a mistake and he's going to fix it. But the way he goes around it is, is he's giving equal weight to his job. To his wife, who's suffering, and and this poor woman who who he's really mean to as well. Mm. You know, he, he he talks about her in a mean way. You know, he when he's describing her to his wife says she's kind of old, not much of a looker. I think she's sad. You know, that might be true, but it's not a nice thing to kind of say about someone. And even when he speaks to Bethan, he kind of says, like, you know, she asks if he loves her. And he goes. well, I don't know you. And it's like, that's an honest response, Mm. but it's also not a very nice thing to say to someone who's giving birth to your kid. No, you know, at that point. (laughs) Yeah. He's not emotionally sensitive to people's needs. And he only talks in a pragmatic, you know, kind of logical way as if he, and that's probably why he's such a good builder Mm. because, you know, buildings, you know, it's, it's kind of maths, you know, it makes sense or it doesn't. People aren't like that, but he's applying his logic to buildings, to his relationships. And that's not how relationships work. Yeah, I don't know if he is a good guy or not. He's 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 not doing it right though. <laughs> that's uh, that's the thing.
0: Eddie, it's your dad. Is uh is your mother there? Uh,
1: no, she's not back from the shops yet. Um, she's getting that German beer that you like for the match.
0: Okay. Uh, listen, I won't be back for that. What? Uh, something's come up. I can't get out of it.
1: I'm wearing the shirt. Uh, Mum's getting sausages. Oh <laughs> yeah, and guess what? She's wearing the shirt as well. Oh, Dad, it, it's so embarrassing. Um, yeah, what did you say about coming home? I
0: won't be back for the match. I'll, uh, I'll have to listen to it on the radio. Oh. Dad, you said you'd be back. It's rubbish on the radio. Mum's doing sausages and all. I think cinema. Some of the best characters in cinema are those flawed characters, and usually a film takes someone on a journey. This does mm. take Locke yeah, on a literally. journey. I don't know if ta- he's really learned a lesson at the end of the journey, but we've learned so much about his situation. Yeah. That's the joy of this film. Mm. I I think it's quite interesting to play this character who's so desperate to redeem himself, but has made so many mistakes along the way mm. on yeah. this, this this road, and and him sort of trying to control things. I think that's why the film why it works so much so well as a short film, and why it it just flies along. It was yeah. really fun to watch this film and it, it zips by mm. to the point where when it finished, I was a bit disappointed. Yeah, I yeah, sort yeah. of wanted a bit more. I wanted like him to go onto a slip road and just carry around in a yeah, circle Yeah, and, and kind of continue because <laughs> the,
1: the, the way the film ends, right, there's no real kind of resolution there. No. You know, I mean, the, the kid is born, he hears the voice and he says, I'm coming. Yeah. You know, so or it was like, she says, are you, or like she asks if he's coming, he says yes. So, and he goes off to see the kids. so he's he's made that decision we assume that the buildings are right because the c six concrete is there yeah he won't be there for the poor but but donald is there donald found a gang pumped.
0: yeah he's not drunk anymore he ran the cider off which is quite a funny performance yeah. for andrew scott acts yeah, yeah. a bit drunk and then he and then he has to act running yeah, yeah. <laughs> like god knows what he was doing in the travel lodge
1: i mean i could see it though i could see it
0: he sounds absolutely knackered when he phones Locke after he's found the gang maybe
1: he did go running around the maybe. travel lodge i don't know <laughs> i think you're right because at the end we're you know, we don't really know what's going to happen here, but but the process of getting there is so exciting, and it's just such a captivating story, and and I think that's that's kind of you know this film for me is a great exercise in the power of cinema where it's like you know you've got a car, three cameras, one person, mm. and some dialogue, and you're just kind of locked in, and you know it's and for me it's a proper cinema movie as well. Like mm. I remember seeing this in the cinema when it came out, and I remember. At Jukes at Comedia on the front row, which is quite a small room but with a big screen. And it was, I was just like, this is amazing. I'm so kind of here. I mean, it works fine at home as well. I watched it recently on my TV. But as I was watching it again, I was like, I would gladly watch this on the big screen. And it kind of lends itself to it because it kind of shows what you can do with cinema, with the limitations.
0: People often think of big screen experiences, the most spectacular shots mm. and explosions or whatever, yeah, or, yeah. you know, like big vistas. But actually, just a hub of sort of no interruptions that bubble yeah, that yeah. cinema offers, where you can get properly absorbed. And I think that's why this is cinematic. That's it. You are in Locke's predicament. You're in the car next you're to him. You're in the confined space, and you're processing all of the things. And for the whole film, I was like, "Is he doing the right thing? Is this okay?" Mm. And and you're sort of you're you're with him. So I think yeah. that's sort of the cinematic. experience Do you think he's he's about. he's
1: doing the right thing or? i i just... think
0: i admire him for trying so hard mm. but i think his he right his pragmatic approach isn't right for every situation mm. and some stuff should probably stay on the building site i thought the way he talked andrew scott through pouring the concrete was great though yeah. top job there look. oh yeah yeah, yeah he's
1: he, he, he's very good at the work he's yeah. just he's just not that great at the at the family stuff although you know clearly he, he has been doing all right up until this point but then actually i think Katrina, his wife, talks about how he always brings his his like muddy footprints. Oh yeah, she's like scraping the concrete yeah through the house off. and like there's kind of I think quite a heavy-handed metaphor in the script where she says I like I won't have to clean up after your muddy footprints mm. anymore or something like that. And yeah, so so, so clearly that you know there's there's issues in their relationship and that he's, Mm. he's very much about his work Mm. and that's how he treats everything. And, and I mean, I don't know if, I mean, that does make the film an interesting take on, on masculinity in a way. No, I don't know if these traits, one could argue that they're more common in men being kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't use the word logical, but doing things in a step by step kind of practical way as a way to avoid the kind of more emotional element to it. I remember like Chris Rock has something in one of his stand ups, which was like which is kind of funny but also kind of bad when you think about it. Like he said something like, when a man and a woman are, ha- are having an argument, all the man wants to do is for it to make sense. And it's like, yeah that's true and funny in how women are emotional and hysterical but like the emotional element is what's real and what's human and you know you can't always legislate how people are going to react to things and this is clearly something that Locke does he he thinks that yeah you can sort out emotional stuff the way you would a building
0: yeah, I don't think there's the right answer, really. Yeah. I think other pe- and you, people will relate their own experiences, whether relationships mm. or work, life, to this character. But I think he is an interesting, flawed character who mm. offers the audience many ways to sort of relate to him. In you know, Even if how you relate to him is that you don't find him relatable. yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's quite interesting. So mm. I think Stephen Knight has done a great job in writing this complex character. Yeah. And I think Tom Hardy's done a brilliant job of... Mm you know like just portraying him and I think yeah. Tom Hardy probably has his own ideas for stuff because on the page I mean we, we don't know what's on the page but it feels like he's had room to sort of grow into this character mm. and make himself feel comfortable in it I think doing was it eight takes of going around in a circle on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the sort of high loader thing is is probably quite good for him as an actor mm. like a play you know to try it in different ways and that sort of and he had a cold. Yeah, so the cold is interesting. Yeah. The character, so like the character's is Welsh, and we think that's probably Tom Hardy just deciding to do that, and Stephen Knight being like, "Fine, yeah, that's okay. cool." But he did also turn up because I think he had such a limited window uh, to do this. I mean, they did eight run-throughs. Mm. I assume that's an eight-day shoot. Yeah. But he turned up with a cold, and he, he had the cold. They couldn't delay it, so they just made the character have a cold. Mm. It's actually quite an interesting thing for him to be dealing with as well. I, I really like that. Yeah. Like the guy has got so much on his plate. And he's got a cold.
1: Yeah, and he's got this box of Kleenex that he's
0: just going. Kind of... He's got all of his filofaxes yeah. and it, it, we found out he's got the instructions on how to pour concrete in the oh, car with that's, him. That's but such <laughs> a sinking moment in
1: in the film. Yeah, yeah. When he's it's so like, confident. He's always like, yeah. don't know...
0: It's in the office. It's on the wall. Uh, you know yeah. exactly. Oh no, it's not, it's, no, it's next to me. It's in my car. But he's it's not just a box of Kleenexes. It's like he's got this Tupperware box or something with all of his files in it and his it's medication. And actually, I think organized people. I'm sort of thinking of my dad mm. here on like long car journeys. My dad would have like a Tupperware box of like, like paracetamol tissues, uh, yeah. whatever, like like things in j- just in case. Yeah. And uh, I was like, that's I believe that character would have that all of his cold medication in a little Tupperware box next to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I really like that. I also think the mvp of this film is the speakerphone in the car mm. like can't remember the model of the car it looks quite fancy we yeah. think the guy is probably quite well off he's think, got the best speakerphone
1: i think the model of the car is is visible in the film for you to see it this podcast was brought to you by bmw ah,
0: there we go uh, yes the car tom hardy drives in the movie uh the speakerphone's great though and i think can tell like, this
1: is two people who don't drive don't oh, no, no, no. uh, <laughs> it's a car
0: with four wheels <laughs> I mean, it's, and it's shiny yeah
1: i mean it, it moves and it's got a speakerphone <laughs>
0: Like, yeah, he's scrolling through and trying to find the people he needs to call. And they sort of build that into the filmmaking as well. Mm. So it sort of ramps up the the tension at times. And it's so satisfying seeing him flip between calls. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: (laughs) like he's doing it really quick. And then, like, another call's coming in. And it's like, what's he got to deal with now? Is it going to be Donald who's drunk? Is it Bethan who's, like, on, like, pain medication? Is it going to be his crying wife? Is it going to be his kids that have no idea what's going on? Or is it going to be his boss calling to bend his ear off? So it's like, either one is probably a call he doesn't want to make. After your latest rewatch of Locke, mm. how do you feel about the film? Does it still work for you? Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've seen the film lots of times, actually. I, I I saw it at the cinema when it came out. I think I just saw it the once. And then it was on TV a lot on film four, at a time when I was living at my dad's house. And it always seemed to be on when I'd come home. And... Because it's such a short film, whatever stage of the film it was, I'll be like, oh, I'll just keep watching it. Mm. Because if it's been on for five minutes, if it's been on for 10 minutes, if it's been on for uh, half an hour. So I've watched it in many snippet forms quite a lot. And, and it does actually play like a bit of a sketch show. Because if you just come in at a bit where it's funny, it's like a comedy, mm. you know, especially if you've, you know, I think. If you've come back from the pub and you've had a few ciders (laughs) you know you and you've got the funny scenes happening it's a great bit of comedy to watch or if you know you sort of come in it's like really you know the emotional scene when he's talking to his son and he's kind of crying it's like this is heavy so it's kind of interesting watching it in snippet form as well but yeah I've, I've seen it many times and it's not waned at all if anything it's it's got better and better
0: I was going to ask, actually, at the, you work in, you work in, hey, you work in marketing. Do, uh, yeah. At this festival, how would you present this film? What's the, what's the hook to get Ooh. people in to see Locke at this right. film
1: I'll call up Tom. Yeah? Who I did meet once, who, and he was lovely, actually. I'm just going to quickly name drop. I'd heard he was quite a, you know, could be a bit of a temperamental person. People mm. I know who have spoken to him for interviews and stuff. But he was at Picturehouse Central, and he was doing a visit, because we were testing a, film he was in and he came in unannounced wearing questionable combat trousers and a cap and I was like I think that's Tom Hardy and it was I ended up giving him a tour of the cinema and he was so lovely oh, and good. he hung out for ages and said hi to all the staff and posed for photos gave me a little hug nice. short little guy <laughs> again couldn't place his accent he was kind of doing a slightly more geezery accent I don't know if that's his real voice or not but anyway but yeah so I'd call Tom because we're mates yeah and I'd be Tom you know, Locke's playing at the festival. Could you come and do something for it? And I think what would be great is if Tom Hardy appeared on stage either before or after the screening and would take requests from the audience for favorite monologues and he'd recite them in Welsh. You know, it could be Shakespeare. It could be, you know, Quint's speech from Jaws, you know, your favorite movie book theater quote recited by Tom Hardy in Welsh.
0: Nice. I mean, who,
1: I mean, I think you could sell out the Royal Albert Hall with that.
0: I'd pay. I'd certainly pay for that. I you think- wouldn't even need
1: the film. No.
0: <laughs> that's not the point of the festival, <laughs> though. Don't do a thing after the film that's better than the film.
1: <laughs> it would. That that would be the thing. You would watch the film, and then there's the surprise. It, it would be, like, with surprise appearance by Tom Hardy afterwards. Mm. And then Tom Hardy would come on stage and and, and, rec- and recite whatever you wanted him to
0: i think tom hardy should drive on stage through the screen oh. <laughs> so this is the last film of the festival we decided closing oh, so night he breaks tom s- hardy driving through the screen and then he gets out and then he does your uh mind blanks
1: yeah. that's, yeah. that's how the yeah. film ends the film ends with him driving off yeah and then it would cut to him driving through the screen yep and he'd come out in the weird jumper that Locke was wearing in the screen. Yeah, he has beard. the beard he has a cold yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make, yeah, make then, him have a cold he has a, of course yep we'll sneeze in his face or something i yeah
0: brilliant we often ask this do you think this film could or should be longer than 90 minutes
1: Hmm. yeah i mean it shouldn't because then it wouldn't be in your festival Hmm. but i think if it was another 10 minutes or so i i could have continued the ride but i wouldn't have wanted to have done that silly thing where it's then like a third act where he gets out of the car and, yeah. we, and, and we see the people. I, I wouldn't want any of that. But I could have taken a, another 10 minutes or so of him in the car. But... He gets
0: stuck in traffic. Yeah. So he gets off the motorway. Yeah. And then Actually, he's
1: stuck in traffic. A bit with him stuck in traffic could have been quite interesting. But but, but I think this is a good example of, of films that blow it in the third act. Like, I think there was a similar film. I think it's a Wes Craven film called Red Eye with Killian Murphy and Rachel McAdams. And it's just set on a plane. And mm. it's like he's... They meet on a plane. It turns out he's a serial killer or something. I can't quite remember. And it's quite tense and it's exciting. It's a confined space. Then the third act is like they get to um, Hawaii and there's a jet ski chase. And it's like, why? Why? You had this great idea for a movie. You did it well. You had good actors in it. Why blow it with this other bit? And it's like, so I like that Locke didn't do that. I didn't do a scene where he gets to the hospital and he sees Olivia Coleman and he holds the baby. I wouldn't have wanted any of that. But no, I could have done... Ten more minutes in 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 the car.
0: There we have it. Locke is in the ninety minutes hey. or less film fest.
1: Result. Thank you so much, Toby, for coming oh, on. Thank you for having me. It's been great to talk about this film. I've I've been wanting to for a long time, so thanks.
0: Where can listeners find more of your stuff on the
1: internet? Oh, I'm on I'm on Twitter, TobyKing101, that's me. Probably the best place to to come at me. And I'm you on just Instagram tweet about as well, Locke, right? I generally, yeah, yeah. I just tweet about. I mean, or Tom Hardy in general. I, I I do have a bit of a man crush on him, and I'm not ashamed to to you know talk to anyone about it, really.
0: Thank you, Toby. Thank you, Ivan Locke, for all of the, the fun we had with you. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival. Please do find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you find your pods. Do give us a rating. It really helps, especially quite a small show. Those ratings really help. Maybe a review. Why not give us a review? If you've got the time and you like what you heard, please rate and review. That would be much appreciated. You can also contact us on at 90 fest on Twitter and Instagram. The show was produced by Louise Owen and me, Sam Clements. Our music is by Martin Ostwick. The show is edited by Luke Smith and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. <music>